Alexander Sergeyevich Pushkin, poet and dramatist, 1799 to 1837, by Elizabeth Ross Haynes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Once upon a time there lived in Moscow, Russia, a little boy whose name was Alexander Pushkin. Sometimes people would look at him and whisper, Is he not homely? He is just like his great-grandfather. His great-grandfather, Abram Hannibal, an African, was captured on the shores of Africa and brought to Constantinople as a slave. Abram Hannibal's son, Hannibal, who was Pushkin's grandfather, was a distinguished Russian general during the reign of Catherine II. Pushkin's mother often looked at him as he sat in a sort of stupor and pitied him. His father would come into the house, kiss the other children, and pay no attention to him. His grandmother and his nurse often wondered why he would not run and play like the other children. Sometimes his nurse would take him by the hand and spin around the room while she sang to him. One day, after such a spin, his grandmother called out, speaking in no uncertain tones, Alexander, Alexander, come here. As he approached her in a sleepy fashion, she said, Not awake yet. Oh, if I could be a bear just for a moment, I'd make you run. Boo, she added, as she jumped at him. He laughed and tore around the room like a little pony. She looked on in great surprise. He ran and ran until he was all tired out. Then he rushed up to her, grabbed her about the waist, saying, Tell me about the three hundred and fifty big lobsters again, please, grandmother. Sit down, then. If you will listen now, I may tell you many other things which I have seen in Russia, she said. She began, In St. Petersburg, which is the capital of Russia, there is a large palace called the Winter Palace. This palace is the largest building in Europe. In it there are large rooms called state rooms. The walls of these rooms are covered with gold plates and dishes. There are also five hundred other rooms. The ballroom holds five thousand guests, allowing a place for the musicians and space for dancing. Sometimes great suppers are prepared for the balls. At one of these balls, once upon a time, the waiters brought in three hundred and fifty dishes of chicken, each dish containing three chickens with salad and jelly, three hundred and fifty large lobsters with mayonnaise sauce, three hundred and fifty tongues, three hundred and fifty dishes of cold meats, three hundred and fifty dishes of ices, three hundred and fifty dishes of creams and jellies, several hundred gallons of soup of different kinds, and two thousand bundles of asparagus boiled for the salads. In addition to this, they brought in cakes, biscuits, fruit, and wine. Woo! The people must have burst after eating all of that, exclaimed Alexander. Listen now, continued his grandmother. Then there is in this palace one room with eight pairs of doors made of tortoiseshell, trimmed with gold. There is also a picture gallery containing some of the finest works of art. There is a museum in which all sorts of relics are found, even the stuffed horse and dogs of Peter the Great. Here and there among the staterooms there are winter gardens, and in one of these gardens there are hundreds of canary birds flitting among the palms and over the fountains of goldfish. There are writing tables and presses which, on being open, play beautiful tunes. Can anybody open these tables, grandmother? Alexander asked. No, she said, only by special permission can people enter the palace. 
is all of this really true grandmother alexander asked again yes indeed his grandmother said they sat for a few moments without saying a word alexander nestled closer to his grandmother and kissed her on the cheek she smiled and shuddering a bit said but oh the poor people of russia they live in two-room cabins in one of these cabins sometimes as many as eleven older people and twenty-five children live they actually knock each other down many times in moving about the cabin one of the rooms usually has in it a stove a table a wooden bench two chairs and a lamp if the family is not too poor to have it the other room often has in it no furniture at all the father and mother and as as many of the children as could be fitted on top of the stove sleep there the others use pillows and lie on the floor in their clothing she stopped talking listening for a moment then said i hear the nurse coming i must go now she rose alexander caught her by the hands she said next time grandmother will tell you more she will tell you about a great big bell which weighs nearly four thousand pounds at least forty men can stand under it let me go alexander was really awake now he stretched his eyes and said oh oh forty men under one bell Woo! his grandmother hurried out found the nurse and told her how wide awake alexander seemed the nurse gleefully took out a little book and wrote alexander wakes up in the year eighteen o seven when he is eight years old she went for him and took him for a walk much of the time he ran ahead of her playing and calling back to her from this time on he read books among which was his uncle's book of poems at the age of ten he began to write poems and little plays himself his father deeply interested in him now sent him at the age of twelve to a very expensive school which only the sons of the nobility could attend young pushkin began at once to criticize the school and the teachers he read in the library and wrote poems the greater part of each day his first poems were published when he was fifteen years old soon after this he began to edit the school paper and further neglect his studies during his six years in the school his reports were entirely unsatisfactory to his parents on leaving school he became a clerk for the russian government he mingled in the gayest society and soon offended the government by writing a poem called ode to liberty he was immediately hurried far away to southern russia one day on his way to a neighboring town in southern russia he met a band of gypsies whom he joined and with whom he traveled for a while pushkin soon offended someone in southern russia and had to be sent to his father's estate in a still more remote part of the country his father did not even permit him to associate with the other children however he spent his time during these two years in this faraway section writing poetry after returning to st petersburg he went to a ball one evening and there met a young girl fifteen years old with whom he danced they began to correspond and three years later were married pushkin was then receiving a salary of two thousand five hundred and fifty dollars a year he and his wife entertained lavishly and wore the best of clothing therefore he had to borrow a great deal of money his anxiety about money seemed to haunt him to the extent that all inclination to write poetry fled he and his brother-in-law engaged in many quarrels pushkin finally challenged him to a duel his brother-in-law accepted on the eighth of february eighteen thirty seven they met face to face each with a sharp weapon in his hand each made a thrust at the other the brother-in-law jumped aside warding off the blow 
but Pushkin fell writhing, with the blood streaming from his wound. Two days later he died in St. Petersburg. After his death, the Tsar of Russia furnished $76,500 to publish his works and to pay off his debts. A great celebration was held at Moscow in 1880 in memory of him. It was said to be the greatest event in Russian literary history. During the celebration, a statue of Pushkin, the great national poet of Russia, was erected at Moscow. His greatest poem bears the title Eugene Onyegin, and his greatest drama is Boris Gutenov. The Birdlet, translated from the Russian by Ivan Panin. God's birdlet knows nor care nor toil, nor weaves it painfully an everlasting nest. Through the long night on the twig it slumbers, when rises the red sun. Birdie listens to the voice of God, and it starts and it sings, when spring, nature's beauty, and the burning summer have passed, and the fog and the rain by the late fall are brought. Men are wearied, men are grieved, but Bertie flies into distant lands, into warm climes, beyond the blue sea, flies away until the spring. Winter Morning Translated from the Russian by Ivan Panin Frost and sun, the day is wondrous, thou still art slumbering, charming friend, tis time, O beauty, to be awakened. Open thine eyes, now in sweetness close, to meet the northern dawn of morning. Thyself a north star do thou appear. Last night, remember, the storm scolded, and darkness floated in the clouded sky. Like a yellow clouded spot, through the clouds the moon was gleaming, and melancholy thou wert sitting. But now, through the window, cast a look, stretched beneath the heavens blue, carpet-like, magnificent, in the sun the snow is sparkling, dark alone is the wood transparent, and through the hoar gleams green the fir, and under the ice the rivulet sparkles. Entire is lighted with diamond splendor, thy chamber, with merry crackle, the wood is crackling in the oven, to meditation invites the sofa. But know you, in the sleigh, not order why the brownish mare to harness? Over the morning snow we gliding, trust we shall, my friend, ourselves to the speed of impatient steed, visit we shall the fields forsaken, the woods dense but recently, and the banks so dear to me. The Gypsies, translated from the Russian by Ivan Panin. Over the wooded banks in the hour of evening quiet, under the tents are song and bustle, and the fires are scattered. Thee I greet, O happy race. I recognize thy blazes. I myself at other times these tents would have followed. With the early rays to-morrow shall disappear your freedom's trace. Go you will, but not with you. Longer go shall the bard of you. He, alas, the changing lodgings, and the pranks of days of yore has forgot for rural comforts and for the quiet of a home. End of Alexander Sergeyevich Pushkin Poet and Dramatist 1799 through 1837 by Elizabeth Ross Haynes